when you are invited to a feast, go and sit down at the lowest seat so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. Today we are covering the important theological topics of tables and chairs. A topic, two topics, that Jesus says infinitely more about than things like, say, homosexuality and abortion, which is to say he says something about them. And he says quite a lot about them, about tables and chairs. Because tables and chairs, as you know, are vital to any community of faith. I've always urged that seminaries should set up a special course on um, the care and carrying of folding chairs or or the proper placement of tables, how to set up for an event so that there are plenty of places for everyone who might show up without so many that the room looks half empty and people start saying to themselves, hmm, this isn't really a happening thing. Why did I come? Tables and chairs. It could be a required course. It should be a required course right after boiler maintenance. Chairs first. Jesus says, when you are invited to a feast, go and sit down at the lowest seat so that when your host comes, your host may say to you, friend, move up higher, and then you will be honored at all who sit at that table with you. I was invited to speak at the West Side Synagogue yesterday, down by Lincoln Center, invited for their annual Hunger Shabbat. I went as a board member and volunteer and booster of our West Side Campaign Against Hunger food pantry. I got to the synagogue right on time, which is to say I was early. To Jews, 10 o'clock evidently means the same thing as 11 o'clock means to Methodists. Just saying. The rabbi was there, and she was happy to see me. And she suggested I take a seat near the front so I could pop up for my talk, which actually wasn't going to happen to at least noon, she said, which may explain why not everyone was there right at 10 o'clock. I grabbed a chair in the almost empty second row, and the woman sitting behind me said, you can sit there if you want, but you'll probably be asked to move. I said, yeah? And she said, there's a lady who likes to sit in that chair. I said, oh, sorry. At my church, the coveted seats are all in the back row. I guess now we know at least one difference between Jews and Methodists. Fortunately, just then, another lady came in and said, you can sit anywhere you like, giving the first lady the evil eye. So I claimed my chair and I sat down. Jesus gives us some good advice about chairs. And I, had I heeded it, I could have avoided this whole scene. He says there's a place at the table for you. There is a place at the table for you. But don't assume you know where exactly that place is. And don't act out of arrogance, but out of humility. Because we're all in this together. Arrogance is a spiritual problem. We know that. It's a spiritual disease, one that spreads easily. We've had daily reminders of the harm that comes from arrogance, whether in the 
news stories of powerful men using their power to prey on people they perceive as vulnerable. Or blustery words from the highest reaches of government, spoken with nary a nod sometimes to the truth. Arrogance is a spiritual disease, but it doesn't impact the people with the disease as much as it impacts people around them. God help us all. Arrogance is a disease. I'm reminded of that famous line from, written by Oliver Cromwell to the General Assembly of the Church of Scotland. You remember that, right? No. <laughs> Cromwell wrote back in the 1650s, I beseech you in the bowels of Christ, think it possible you may be mistaken. Think it possible you may be mistaken. Question yourself. Listen before you speak. Think before you sit. Everybody has a place at God's table. Everybody has a place. But there's no room at the table for arrogance because we're all the same in God's eyes. That's why it says in Scripture, every valley is exalted and every mountain is brought low. The haughty are tossed off their thrones and the lowly are lifted. Jesus wants us to know that everybody is invited. Everybody is invited to the feast of God. Everybody has a place at the table. Everyone. And the invitation isn't implied. It's it's explicit. And it's individual. And it's meant from the heart of God. Long ago, during my time here, I learned that a broad invitation to all is an invitation to nobody. People want to be invited to things personally, and they need, if not an engraved invitation, you need, if not an engraved invitation, then at least a personal one. I can post a church event on the Facebook page and the website. I can send it out in an email blast, put it in the bulletin and the church newsletter. And if I ask you personally after church, are you coming to such as such? And 93% of you will say, what is that? I didn't know anything about it. So, for tonight's peace feast, I am inviting you each, individually now, each of you individually now, to come. Come here downstairs at 5.30, and there will be a place at the table for you. A place at a table that needs you in order to be complete. A table of Jews and Muslims and Methodists. A table that in that way, as each table is mixed with the people of God, will be resembling the table of our God. And if you come a couple of minutes early, you can even help set up those tables for the rest of the people. The parable that Jesus tells us, one of the two, it's a bit odd, but fundamentally it's about invitation. It's about explicit invitation. And, okay, it sounds a little strange. He set it up by first speaking to the host of this meal that he's at, a host who is who? Anybody catch that? A Pharisee. What do we know about the Pharisees and Jesus? Oh, what do we know about the Pharisees and Jesus? Did they get along? Were they besties? 
Not really, not, not according to, you know, most of the time, but time and time again in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus gets these invites to Pharisees' homes. And this time, it's a Pharisee who has graciously invited him, despite the fact that they disagree about so many things. It's kind of like that uncle you've got, or that sister-in-law whose politics are straight out of Breitbart, and you don't know how to even start a conversation, but they're family, and you love them, sort of, and so you invite them over for Thanksgiving, or you go to their place, and they treat you like family, which after all they are. The way Jesus tells it, the invitation goes out first to the wealthy. Somebody who can afford to buy a piece of land. Someone who can afford not just an oak, uh, an oak, a yoke, it's probably made of oak, no doubt, a yoke of oxen, but five yoke of oxen. How many oxen is that? Ten. Thank God I'm a country girl. How many oxen? Ten. A lot of oxen. And a third person says, I've just gotten married and therefore I can't come. I'll leave that one alone. But these are people of means. So who gets invited when these all respond with their regrets? Who gets invited? Everybody, right? Yeah. Everybody on the highways and the byways, because for everyone born, there's a place at the table. On Tuesday, we'll gather down in the social hall to bake pies. Now, there's nothing magic about baking pies, although it is a lot of fun. But we're baking a lot of pies. We're baking, hopefully, around 160 pies from scratch. And if you all come, we'll bake also 100 cookies, 100 dozen cookies. And I'm issuing you each a personal invitation for that as well. You've been personally invited. Why are we doing this? Because it takes a lot of apple slicers, pumpkin can openers, dough rollers, pie box constructors, cookie bakers, and so on to make it all work. Bring a friend. Bring someone who's not your friend but might like to make pies. And here's the point, and here's why we need everybody. We're supplying all the desserts for the community Thanksgiving dinner at the Goddard Riverside Neighborhood Center. And who's invited to that? Who do you think's invited to that? Everybody. Everybody. And who comes? Everybody. Everybody. People who are poor, people who are not poor. People who are in town, but the people they know aren't in town. The young and the elderly and anybody, everybody, reminds me of nothing so much as the table of God. My favorite thing about Thanksgiving is that moment on Wednesday afternoon when whoever's around, whoever happens to be hanging around unwittingly on the afternoon there right before Thanksgiving gets roped into loading the pies into cartons and the cartons onto carts and we wheel the pies down the middle of 87th Street stopping traffic and getting all kinds of curious looks along the way. One time we passed the, our city council member's office there on Columbus and she came running out the door onto the sidewalk looking at our parade and saying, what's going on? And then, oh, St. Paul and St. Andrew. And so that explained every and any weird thing that could be happening. But the best thing 
is walking into that neighborhood center with all of these pies and all of these cookies and the people saying, oh, thank God you're here, as though we were going to forget. And knowing that the next day, 1,000, 1,200, 1,500 people will be able to taste the love of God made manifest in the form of pie. It's Thanksgiving week, so we're all conscious of giving and sharing and inviting and including, but for God, that's an everyday thing. That's not a holiday thing. That's an everyday thing for God. It's Thanksgiving week, so we're beginning to be at least grudgingly aware, each of us, that we have plenty to be grateful for. But Jesus tells us that that kind of attitude of gratitude is an everyday thing, or can be and ought to be an everyday thing. It's Thanksgiving. So we know this week, and we could remember week after week after week after week, that for everyone born, there is indeed a place at the table. Let's pray together. God, for all of your children, and that's everybody, there is space, and there is room, and there is place. For everyone born, there is enough. Because food isn't a practical problem. It's a spiritual problem. It's a problem of knowing that we have enough. And enough is enough. And the rest we can share. Amen.